Christmas on while I'm singing. You guys do not want to hear that. I, I sit there in the pew and I think of like a hundred stories. I'm like, you know, I don't want to get up here and just tell stories, y'all. But I did have a dream I want to share with you. Um, and I don't dream often, but I was looking up here at these flowers and it reminded me of this dream. This is probably about three weeks ago. And in my dream, I came to this church and I brought you guys flowers. And these flowers look beautiful. But I set them up front. And all the ladies came up and looked at the flowers and were touching them and thinking how wonderful they were. And uh, for some reason, the greenery was all poison ivy. So my prayer is that I don't bring you any poison ivy today. Um, my Chloe made it. So my family, except for Chloe, is not here. We have had uh, a really interesting week. We have a quadriplegic goat that's at our house that was dropped off. And Amy, my wife, is a nurse, and so shes you wouldn't believe what she does. They've built things to hang this goat and get its feet on the ground and supplements. It's, and it, when I, we first, and of course, they make me adjust it every day. And, and, and when we first got it, it lay on its side and you had to prop it up. But now it's moving all its legs, so who knows what God wants to do with this thing. But then we also, I'm not done, we also have a chick that got pecked in the head with a hole in its head. So Claire's taking care of that. And last night we got my, I don't know if they're nieces or great niece. I never understand all of that, but, uh, we have, I think one's five and one's an infant. So I get up this morning and I see this, like the goats up and the, the baby's up and Amy never came to bed. She laid on the couch and then Elsie's uh, up and I'm like, oh my goodness. So it reminds me of this story that I heard, um, back in World War II, um, when they were looking for German spies, they would have, <laughs> she knows what I'm going to say. Um, when they were looking for German spies, they would have them say the word squirrel because other countries pronounce things different. And we have root words that are difficult to say. And Germans couldn't say squirrel. They would say squirrel or something like that. So Chloe took Elsie out yesterday treasure hunting and she came back with a pearl. And so she was showing it to me this morning and she said, Paul. She couldn't say pearl. And I said, wait a minute. Say squirrel to me. She might be a German spy. I'm not sure. So I'm a little concerned. They're all home alone with her. And hopefully she'll be moving on. So my last thing, Darla, are you in here? I want to apologize to you. So the Lord, I have a little bit of undiagnosed ADHD. And, uh, you know, we, I was originally thinking, and this, is, this word came to me weeks ago, was the word grace. Um, and I do like to talk about grace, and I think that we don't give grace to people, and we don't give ourselves enough grace. And then I just wasn't settled on it, and then, I went, then the, the word obedience came to mind. And I, and I was kind of thinking, but I wasn't really settled. And Chloe and I were sitting in Best Burrito, and she was talking, and, and all of a sudden, God puts a word inheritance in my head. And so today I get to talk about inheritance. But the point being is I know you have to make a bulletin. I know you have to have some input. I had kids. I I literally had an infant in the basement in a, what do you call those, pack and plays or something? And I'm like using my phone to read and using the computer. And then I had to print. And I was like, "Ah." so I I should give you a little more heads up. But you did wonderful. Um, So what is an inheritance? Let me back up just a moment. I'm a little nervous to bring this message to you today. Um, the first part's easy, and you guys will all, it will be familiar. The latter part, I feel like they just don't teach in churches today. 
And I, I, I don't know why. I don't want to. It's not I'm trying to be like secretive, but I don't want to put it out there until we get there. But I don't know why. But it, in, in not talking about it, not teaching about it, it robs us of some of our potential as well as some of our power. And so I'm anxious and excited to bring it, but I'm also uh, anxious that I don't get it away in a way that you guys are going to grasp it and see what the Lord's been doing with me and my family for the last six or seven years. So um, we'll get there. So what is an inheritance? An income or a form of property given or bequeathed to someone an honor or right or a gift. So we've all heard these stories, you know, like whether it's an inheritance or it's the lottery or it's, and people get it and then they blow through it. And you're like, how could they do that? I mean, all you had to do was put half of it in the bank and draw interest, and the rest you can blow through. But somehow they come out of that more broke, and they come out of it with habits that they've got to deal with and addictions that will literally keep them from having a healthy lifestyle. So let's look at a few like materialistic kind of worldly views of inheritance just to bring you on a page where I'm at. In 2009... And I'm going to mess up these names. Zolt and Geza Pilati were two homeless brothers living in a cave in Hungary. Despite the fact that they were grandchildren of an extremely wealthy German woman, by German law, when the woman passed away in 2009, her direct descendants got everything she had. Because the grandma's daughter was deceased, her assets went to these two people who lived in a cave, and they valued her estate at over $5.52 billion. So there you go. Zero Zero to billions. But not all of them are that, not all inheritance are that, like, oh my goodness, you know. An elderly couple owned 250,000 ancient arrowheads, a collection of grand proportions. Even John Wayne himself tried to buy them and they refused to, to give them to him. And then their caregiver, when they passed, got all their arrowheads. Uh, Lloyd, Lloyd Boyd inherited 40 grand pianos from his late brother, which sounds like, what am I going to do with these pianos? But several of them were worth over 50 grand, so I'm sure he ended up getting rid of them. Uh, a man inherited 13,000 clown items from his father-in-law. It's got to be the father-in-law. I know what mine's going to give me, like 6,000 boards that he's got in his basement uh, stuck in there and like a can of screws and nuts this tall. That's what I'm going to get. But this guy got 13,000 clown items, which eventually he kind of embraced and moved into his own house which sounds frightening. Um, and lastly, a man named Carl Fortine left behind a whopping 200 reptiles, including snakes, lizards, and even large crocodiles. But when I was a kid, I'd have probably loved that. So does anybody know what a 63 Ferrari 250 GTO is? Yeah, I know you do. That The few vehicles are as legendary as the mighty 63 Ferrari 250, arguably the most expensive classic car ever built. That car sold in 2018 to David McNeil, who was the, the founder of WeatherTech, those floor mats, for $70 million. 70, one car, $70 million. So whether I'm talking about $70 million cash, a pair of 63 GTOs, 500 acres of pristine hunting ground, a beautiful home or a serene acreage, we all have an idea how people ought to spend this. You know, we talk about like when the, when the I know you all don't because that's, Technically gambling, but we'll talk about the, the lottery. Well, if I ever won that lottery, let me tell you what I would do with it. Um, and we all have an idea how other people ought to handle things. But what if, what if somebody took that $70 million in the backyard, threw it in a barrel, and burned it? How would you feel about that? Or let's say I got two, a pair of 63 Ferrari GTOs, but I want to keep them safe. I want them to be breaking into them. I want to know where they're at all the time. So I dug a hole in the backyard, put them in it, and covered it with concrete for safekeeping. Or 
I took that acreage, that 500 acres. See, I saw you do that. Thought about it, right? I took that 500 acres of pristine hunting ground, and I, I cut the dam and drained the ponds and diverted the streams and plowed it all down. Or I took that beautiful house and I boarded the windows up. What a wasted inheritance. What a crime. Let me read a couple verses. We're going to go through a lot of verses today, so just bear with me. But I think they're all, there's a point here God wants to make. So let's just see what he does. Hebrew 9.15. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from transgressions committed under the first covenant. Ephesians 1.11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We have an inheritance. I have an inheritance. You have an inheritance. The little infant on your lap has an inheritance. Some things we'll get in the future. Some things we won't see. But some things we get now, yet we live like we do not have them. What a shame if you don't dive in and examine what God has given you, what inheritance he has given you, and then put it to use right away. So what is our inheritance? Let me read these verses to you. Look, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will complete a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant. I had no regard for them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will establish with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. I will inscribe them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. And there will be no need for someone like me to stand up here because God has already told you. There will be no need at all for each one of you to teach his countrymen or each one to teach his brothers saying, know the Lord since they will all know me. We talked last time, I don't know if you remember about the evidence of God, right? You guys kind of remember that and how God is ingrained in everything? He said, everybody's going to know me. And he is evident in everything. For I will be merciful towards their evil deeds and their sins. I will remember no longer. When he speaks of a new covenant, he, he makes the first obsolete. Now what is growing obsolete and his aging is about to disappear. So Romans 6.14 puts it in a nutshell. Sin shall not be your master. If sin will not be master over you when you are not under the law, but under grace. So we're back to grace. So he's going to tie that in a little bit. But we're not under the law. That doesn't mean that we should continue to sin and we don't worry about it. And we do the best we can. But the fact is, he promised in the new covenant he wasn't going to remember our sins. The law refers to the terms and agreements of an old covenant, like purchasing a car. Anybody bought a car lately? You sign the terms and agreements. You get something. But boy, how do you got to give something too? A covenant is an agreement. Usually it's between two parties in ancient Near East. It was kind of a treaty by means of which rulers entered into a new co- a covenant relationship with their subject. So the first inheritance we're going to talk about is this new covenant. Under the new covenant, Jesus provided his own body on the cross as a sacrifice that would purify once and for all. We've, we had the old covenant previously. And you remember that when you've read through Leviticus and it's hard to kind of grind through there. But there were so many things you had to do and you could never do them right. Even the priests who offered the, offered the sacrifices could not atone for the sins of the people. And God knew that. And so he had this, the, the new covenant. So he provided Jesus to purify once and for all those who had faith. So Hebrews 10, 10 through 14. 
And somehow I forgot my Bible leaving the house this morning, but I have it all right here. So, 10, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifice, which can never take any sins away. By then, by when this priest has offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand throne of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. God proclaimed the first covenant, the Mosaic law. And as flawed because of the inability of people to fulfill their part of the deal, and because of his love, he promised Abraham superseded the demands of the of Mosaic Law. God did away with the Old Covenant, and now we have the New Covenant. So the New Covenant establishes three things. It gives us, God says, I'm going to put that law on your mind, I'm going to put it in your head, and I'm going to put it in your heart. So mind, we know what's right and wrong, right? Every one of us does. Some of us choose not to do the right and wrong. Also, on our heart, we desire to do the right thing. Then he imparted on us the Holy Spirit to lead us and give us discernment. And so we have those things. And, and the verse I'm going to read is Hebrews 8. I'm going to go back to Hebrews 8 and just the latter part. And they shall not teach each one of his neighbor and each one of his brothers, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. So God is not going to remember your sins. According to the terms of the new covenant, God will forget all about them and he will be merciful to you. He promises also to put the law into your mind and to write the law on your heart. One of the things I don't want to trip up here is that we do talk about mercy. We do talk about grace and those things are real. We tend to call and I've I've heard this in churches that I've sat in. We call this the age of grace. So we excuse the power that God has. And replace it with grace. The reason we don't see God doing amazing things, the reason he doesn't answer prayers in a miraculous way, is because we live in an age of grace, and that's false. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament, is the God of today. And he still has the same power, and we still have that same power. In fact, we have more so that same power, because in a minute we're going to talk about how we're united and married with Christ, and Christ is within us. So all those crazy things he did in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, we have that power within us. We just have to understand it. The prophecy of Jeremiah looks forward to the coming of the Holy Spirit, who will dwell all who have faith, teaching and helping them to follow God's commands. So John fourteen twenty six. But the helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said. So it reminds me of to a degree when you walk with the Spirit and you're refreshed by the Spirit and you have the Spirit within you, of that just that portion of Psalms 23 where it says, He restores my soul and He leads me in the paths of righteousness as He governs where I go. For His name's sake, even though I walk through the valley and the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I told you we were going to hit some verses. Um, Romans 8 9 through 11. Listen to this one. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. 
If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life. He'll give life to your mortal bodies to the spirit who dwells in you. So like a person who's triple convicted and waits on death row, caught in the act, they're guilty, you know. I mean, we know people get in there and you wonder if they're good, but when you know, it might not have happened yet, but they might as well be dead. Your sins, my sins, have led us to this place. Unholy, unworthy to be in the presence of a holy God in a holy place, it doesn't matter what we do. We cannot fix it. We are unworthy. It is just that way. But now we have the new covenant. That's our first inheritance. And I can't talk about all the inheritance, but that's where we're at. And then the new covenant is in effect. And we can receive the gift of salvation and the presence of the Holy Spirit freely without payment. Ephesians 2.9. Just remember, part of the, the third part of the new covenant is God says, I will remember, remember your sins no more. I think we spend, we spend too much of our time wondering if we're worthy. Wondering if we've, you know, thinking about what we've done wrong or thinking about. And the fact is, he doesn't remember. So why are you remembering? That's a pawn of the devil. He puts that in your head to make you worry that you're not good enough. And the fact is, you're not. We've already got there. You're not good enough. But he redeemed you. Ephesians 2.9. I'm sorry, 2.8-9. For by grace, getting something you did not deserve... You have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It doesn't matter how good you are, what kind of good things you do. Everyone who is thirsty. This, I was reminded of this when Hannah was up here talking about uh, the, the little coupons you can buy uh, to come to the, the midnight dinner, to the I don't, midnight cell or whatever it is. But everyone who is thirsty is welcome to come to, to the water. And he who has no money to pay is encouraged to buy wine and milk. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me and hear that your soul may live. Second inheritance I want to talk about. And again, I'm not saying this is all the inheritance we have. I'm saying these are the two we're talking about today. This one is near and dear to my heart. And um, this one we have spent a lot of time. Claire says, my youngest daughter, when I first came, she says, Dad, are you going to speak about that? And I said, no, not yet. So today we are because that's what the Lord asked me to do. If we have the new covenant and God tells us what's right and what's wrong and he puts it in our heart, to desire to do right and not wrong. And we have a part, portion of the Holy Spirit in our body to lead us and guide us. Then why is li- life not black and white? Why do we still screw up? We have every tool there is to do the right thing all the time. But we don't. Why is there so much struggling, so much stress, so much indecision, so much confusion? You could fill in the, the blank. I mean, whatever's going on in your life. And it's because, and I'm going to get back to this, but I I think of the verse in Revelations. I don't know where it's at. It's in there. But it says, Jesus says in his red letter words, I know where you live and I know who sits on the throne. And it's the devil. 
But blessed is he or she who overcomes, for they shall not be overcome to come again. And so God gave man dominion to rule over all these negative things, all the creeping creatures which signify Satan and his powers. One of God's intentions is giving man dominion, in giving man dominion, is that man would subdue God's enemy, Satan, who rebelled against God. So after God, you go all the way back to Genesis, after God created man in his image according to his likeness, he blessed man and told him, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over everything that is on the earth. God has an enemy, and that's Satan, who rebelled against him. And this one also instigated many of the angels to follow him. Furthermore, Satan has deceived man and has also convinced man to rebel against him. And we see that in our own lives, if we'll take a minute and admit it. But as a culture and as a society, we see the whole thing move in the opposite direction. And for those of us who love the Lord, it's appalling to just see how deceived and how how much power in convincing a culture to move away from God the devil has. God's eternal purpose, one of God's eternal purposes in creating man is that he wants man to have this his dominion to defeat and subdue God's enemy. Satan is a creature. He wants another creature, man, who has his image and his likeness, who has his life, and who has his dominion to subdue the enemy. I can give you verse after verse. I've got them written down. For time's sake, I'm not going to do that. But man is to subdue Satan. The creeping things that creep upon the earth typify Satan. We all know Satan's called the serpent, right? That's how he popped up in Genesis and his angels as well as the demons who follow Satan. Nobody likes talking about this stuff, right? I remember sitting in a Sunday school class, and I brought this up, and it was like, man, everybody just kind of looked away. Like, they just don't like talking about the devil. The fact is, we have power over him. Uh, nobody reads Revelations. And I heard this on radio once, and it said, the reason nobody reads Revelations because it's the end story of how the devil loses. So the first thing I did was dig through it with a fine-tooth comb. And there's a lot in there. There's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of stuff that is hard to understand. But I, I, I'm not trying to shock you today, but I just want to get you where I'm at. And so let's keep going through this. Man was created by God to exercise his dominion. Dominion means to have authority, to rule, to form a kingdom. And if man would have authority but no sphere, no place to rule over, he has no dominion. Man, however, was given all things, including the enemy, Satan, to rule over them. So this invisible God desires not only to have a visible expression through man, but also to have his authority exercised to deal with his enemy. And that's our job. If we, and we're going to read some, some verses that I love, and a lot of them are in your heart, and you remember them, and you, you've all heard them, you've seen them on t-shirts. We're going to read those, and if you just look at them and say, Okay, but if you don't put them together and create an approach, the devil's doing things. And unless we do things, he's just going to do things to us. You see families falling apart left and right. And if it's not good, it's of the devil. If it's not of God, it's of the devil. So we have to have an effective approach to kick him out. And we have that power to do so. We know... Let's see. God gave us authority over dominion. I'm going to make sure I didn't get through that. Okay. For the first verse, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Everybody's heard that, right? 
I used to be a wrestler in high school, and uh, I had that shirt, which didn't really tie into wrestling, but it's kind of cool, so I had it. Um, I want you to look at all of these verses, and we know them independently. That verse, we know. We've all heard it. We remind ourselves that that's the reason the day's tough. Like, well, you know, you had a hard day. Something crazy happened you have to deal with because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but get it. And then we'll just tie all these together. First Peter 5.8, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It's not like going to the zoo and looking through the glass at this lion who looks ferocious. And you've all seen that video where the lion pounces off the window and scares the kids. It's not like that. Like, literally, he's coming to kill you. And so be sober-minded. Be watchful. When, when you're in your home and you see somebody start coming in, whether it's your spouse or your kids or yourself, watch when things start to change. Watch when they behave differently than they should. Notice that the devil's doing something there. And then when we get to the end here, we're going to talk about how we deal with that. But be mindful and be watchful. 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? He who is in you is greater than he is in the world. What do we say about revelations? Who sits on the throne? Who's in the world, right? But he who is in you is greater than he, he who is in the world. Second Corinthians 10.5 We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. There's so much power in these verses. And the reason I want to read them today is because there's so much power in the spoken word of God. How did God create the universe? He just spoke. And when we read this, we're speaking... The inerrant words of God. Hebrews 2.14 Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power over death, and that is the devil. The good news is the devil did have power over death. The devil did destroy, but he was destroyed. Once the new covenant was established, he was destroyed. He, didn't, he doesn't have any more power over death, and he has no power over you. Did Jesus die and raise again? I get nods. Did Jesus die and get raised again? He lost. Jesus already won the victory. Sin has no hold on us. Death has no claim, and the devil has no power. He has lost his power. Revelation says again, I know where you live. But he's already lost his power. Once, you, once your eyes open to the fact that he has no power, they cannot be closed again. Jesus has already won and he has already been victorious over sin and over death. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed and you shall confute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage. This is the inheritance of the servants of the Lord and their vindication for me, declares the Lord. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he is, is a thief. Thieves do not walk in the front door and announce that they're there. They don't let you know. They're going to look when you're not looking, and that's when they're going to get you. And that's exactly what he's trying to do. I came that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. That's what we want, an abundant life. We can have that in Christ, and we can protect that, 
by kicking out the devil. John 8.32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Luke 1.37, for nothing is impossible with God. This is the verse I want you to pay attention to just for a second. It's short. Luke 10.19, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall harm you. God knows where you live. I'm going to read these and this part I want you to listen to. Every sentence. Get this. God knows where you live. He knows who sits on the pseudo pretend throne. A throne that only exists when you give it credibility in your life by submitting to it and allowing it to exist within our lives. We read that verse and we think, gosh, you know, I know where you live and I know who sits on the throne. Gosh, did God leave us here knowing that we would be ransacked by the devil, that the lion would devour us and we are just too weak to resist? And the answer is no. I'm not a screamer, but if I was, I would. He gave us the new covenant. He tore the veil. He filled us with the spirit. He orchestrated Jesus to pay for it. Dying and winning over death. Eliminating the power that he has. He does not have power over death anymore. And then becoming intertwined with us. We've all heard married with Christ, right? I will die and be raised new. So we're intertwined with us, created a new creation that is infinitely powerful and has been ordained to squash the enemy as an image bearer. And as a Christ-filled person, walking with God eliminates any concern of the devil gaining any foothold as he is holy and sin, the devil cannot exist in the presence of a holy God. Do you remember that story I told you about walking between my barns? I don't know if I did. And looking up and seeing the gargoyles up on the barn and kind of being like... You know, just for a second. I didn't even look. I just knew they were there. And all I said was, God, walk with me. And I, could, I couldn't see him. I wish I could. It'd be cool. But I could feel him. And they were no more. The devil cannot exist in the presence of a holy God. Neither can we. That's why we needed Jesus. You are salt of the earth. Matthew 5.13 John 18:12 Jesus says I am the light of the world. So what what does light do? Light penetrates darkness. It exposes it. It provides a guide in a dark place. It's a tool, but it also is a weapon. It is a description of both us and our savior because we are one with Christ, we are married with Christ, and we become less so that he can become more. So I'm going to wrap this up. There is a number of reasons for this, but as a tool, this gives us a surge of power over the prince of the air. This gives us dominion over scorpions and snakes. It gives us authority with power in our own homes, in our own marriages, in our own churches. If we would deal with what the devil's trying to do in marriages, marriages would last like they used to. Remember when I was in high school, the divorce rate was like 45%. And we thought, oh my goodness, society's falling apart. It's like 67% now. We blame the person next to us and we blame ourselves. The fact is the devil's doing work and we need to squash him. We have the authority to do so. It allows us to be warriors against the enemy in a way that brings certain and sudden victory. The devil would love nothing more than to whisper in your ear. You don't have any value. You are married to a sin. You are not married to Christ. You are his and not Jesus's. You are weak. These are all lies. He wants us to believe that we are weak, that he wants us to believe the lies of depression, of anxiety, of fear, feelings that we are overwhelmed or that we're confused. But remember what we read? 
Greater is the one who is in you than he who is in the world, for we have dominion over all the world, and we have been given the inheritance of the Father, and we are one with Christ, and we possess the Spirit. So this is my plea to you. Start taking control of your home. Watch like a watchman, as stated in the verse. As a guardsman, when Satan creeps in and effectively evicts him, effectively a victim from your home, pray over your children in a decisive way, believing in the power that exists within you. Pray with others in your church when they need it and cast the devil out. I prayed before we started today to silence the devil so he wouldn't speak and you guys could grasp this. Silence him. Use what he has bestowed upon you and stop living as a pawn who's struggling to keep your head above water. I'm going to say it one more time. Revelation says, I know where you live and I know who sits on the throne. But blessed is he who overcomes for they shall not be overcome again. Once your eyes are open, you can't close them again. You can reclaim your birthright for you were born again and you can rule with light against the darkness Victory is already yours. You already have the victory. For Jesus won it. He married you. He's one with you. Stop living like you're helpless. Closing up here. I said that a minute ago. Welcome the discussion the Holy Spirit is having with you. We've talked about grieving the Holy Spirit. He talks to you. And you hear him. And when you don't listen... You hear him a little less. And when you don't listen, you hear him a little less called grieving the Holy Spirit. So welcome the conversations the Holy Spirit is having with you. And listen, it will lead you to good things. Maintain the youth and the joy of your salvation. Maintain the joy in your marriage to Jesus. Listen to the law God has wrote on your heart. Obey him and please him and be a warrior. Have a warrior mindset. Because if you don't, you're going to lose the battle. Be a warrior standing on the devil's head and stopping the destruction of so many things by harnessing the power we have in Jesus. They did in a a verse that pops in my head is is, uh, Mark 9.38. You guys remember when when John came to Jesus and said, look, there's there's this guy that's not one of us and he's casting out demons, casting out the devil in Jesus' name. He didn't know anything. He wasn't part of the family. And he was kicking some devil butt. Like he was just kicking him out. And he says, well, he's not one of us, so he shouldn't be doing that. And the fact is, just in the name of Yahshua, just in the name of Jesus, there's power. But the thing is, you do. You know the truth. If you are in Christ, you are authorized. You are an authorized user of the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. James 2.19 says that demons tremble when they hear that name. The word tremble would better be translated as spooked or terrified. When they hear that name, the name of Jesus spoken with bold faith by an authorized user, they're afraid. If you are a Christian and dwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have all the power in heaven and in earth given unto you. Listen in Matthew 28:18. You are authorized to speak on the behalf of Jesus and take authority over any evil presence that comes your way, and it must obey. Here's what a simple prayer would look like. I've written this down, talking with Christians, talking with people who know Jesus, who are struggling, and as we talk in my office on a piece of paper or a sticky note or whatever it is as a just a, a simple guideline here's where you would start i liken it to 
uh, a knot. Has anybody ever picked up a Christmas lights? That's a good place to start. And you look at them, and you're like, I have no idea where to start with this, right? That's what life is like sometimes. I have no idea where to start with this. But for me, and at a point where I, God really got a hold of me, I, I, the devil was affecting me. And I learned this simple prayer. I kind of read a couple books and put it together. But I checked it with scripture to make sure it was sound. And I sat in my Jeep and I prayed this prayer. And it was like I, I found that one strand that you could pull it out. And when you do, it's like, okay. It's going to be a mess, but I can still unravel this thing because you found that one strand. That's, that's what this does. It gets that crumb, that stuff off of your life. And so I've written this down for many people. And I want, I want you to have this. And I, if, if you need it written down for you, grab me. Um, this is what a simple prayer would look like. In Jesus' name, by his power, by his authority, I command all evil spirits out of my home. From my home, in Jesus' name, I bind you to hell. He has given me the power and authority over you, and Jesus has already won the victory. Then as soon as anything voided space is created, I go right to God. God, the Father, please fill any voided space that is created with the Holy Spirit. Place angels of fire on all corners of my home and prevent the devil from entering. This this home is your home and dedicated to your service. Amen. We... We have prayed, I don't know, man. We, I got three kids and they're all great. I don't deserve it. I, people say that all the time. I don't deserve it. I'm a mess. And there's times that one of my kids would walk in and I just knew that wasn't their heart. They were a mess. And I would pray over them. It might look like this. It might have been a little different. But I'd pray over them. And maybe it worked right, right away. Maybe it didn't. So I'd pray over them again if it didn't. And I'd pray over them again until it... Everything was clear. And I'm telling you, there's something to it because I have three great kids I don't deserve. And I'm not saying it makes your kids perfect or that if your kid's not perfect that you've got problems. But I'm saying, I told a friend of mine, and I'm going to close up. I keep talking about this for the next three hours. But we were, we went, I went on a a canoe trip in Arkansas. I'm sitting on the porch and I'm digging through Revelations and I got to that verse and there's a couple other verses that I can they just sunk in when you read them you'll never forget them and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about spiritual warfare and my friend who's a really solid Christian guy got five kids six five kids I can't remember once you get four more than four it looks like a bunch so he comes out on the porch and I start preaching to him inadvertently and I'm just like man you I know you have a great marriage and I know you guys are doing solid and I know your home is a Christian home but you have five kids and at some point you're going to need this some point the devil's going to get somebody and you got to know how to kick him out you got to have that power so if you have little kids at home you have grandkids you have neighbors with problems learn how to fight the devil believe in the power God gave you Understand the value of the new covenant and your inheritance. Let's pray. God, I hope I shared it the way you wanted it shared. I know it's important information. And I want, I want all of these people in here to be effective warriors, to be the manifestation, the physical manifestation of your power here on earth, to kick the devil out of every single home in here and allow life to be abundant to not believe the lies in the ears. God, I pray you just bless each person here with an extra portion of the Holy Spirit, that you would guide them, that you would love them, and you would empower them, 
Help them to understand the power that they have in Christ. I pray these things in your name. Amen.